Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at New Jersey turnkey cash flow. This episode is recorded as part of the PodMax event hosted by Eric Cabral and his team at On Air Brands live at the Hive in Trenton, New Jersey. My guests in this episode are Shamel and Farhan Malik. They are principals at Apex Capital Group, which provides turnkey cash flow properties for investors in New Jersey. And they've also recently expanded to Ohio, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. They are active as wholesalers and rehabbers as well in New Jersey. Apex Capital has raised over $40 million in private capital from investors, which includes over 600 real estate transactions. I, by the way, have launched another podcast, Cashflow Investing Secrets. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one idea and or concept at a time that I've learned from interviewing over 500 Cashflow Ninjas. You could check out the new show on your favorite podcast, video, or live streaming platform by simply typing in Cashflow Investing Secrets. Other valuable resources I can offer is access to our private Facebook group. You could go to Facebook and search Cashflow Ninja Community to join us and our exclusive investor community. You can email me at info at cashflowninja.com for more information. On October 25th, there's another Learn and Grow event at the historic Renault Winery in southern New Jersey, just outside of Atlantic City. The event is hosted by Josh and Melanie McCallan, and it is a fantastic quarterly event to meet and network with fantastic people, learn from speakers and other attendees, and you get to enjoy amazing food and wine, and wait for it, American champagne. I'm super excited to be involved in this resort rehab project, and I'm attending the event with people from my meetup, investors group, and other Cashflow Ninja listeners, and it would be awesome if you could join us at this event. This is a resort, so if you're traveling there, there is a hotel to stay at on the property, along with the other amenities, uh, such as the spa, restaurants, golf course, wedding venues, and of course, the winery. You can email me at info at cashflowninja.com for more information. Savvy investors know that in order for the miracle of compounding interest to work, it's magic, you have to be constantly invested in all stages of the economic cycle. So the question then becomes, how do you find solid investments when the stock market is close to all-time highs and everything else just seems so inflated? That's where our friends at ASIM Capital come in. Since 2011, ASIM has helped more than 300 accredited investors allocate more than $25 million to mobile home parks, self-storage, and workforce housing due to their ability to perform well during economic recessions. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M capital.com to get instant access to their investment offerings. MC Lobsher, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, 
go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Cashflow Ninjas, I've got a great show for you today. Uh, still uh, at PodMax. What, a, what an event this has been. You could follow everything that we're doing here. Uh, if you have a little bit of FOMO, just by typing in hashtag PodMax, and you could check out everything that's been happening live at the Hive in New Jersey. I'm joined in today's show by Shamail and Farhan um, Malik. Um, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Can you guys share a little bit about your uh, journey and your background with my uh, listeners? Yeah, so um, we were both born in Pakistan um, and came here in 1987. So we're about five years old and four years old. Okay. And uh, it was just beating to our heads early on, indoctrination, whatever you want to call it, that I was going to be a doctor, he was going to be the engineer. Those kind of like your only options, doctor, engineer, or failure, right, early on. And so came here, um, studied hard, and A- minus in our household was like death, Right, so it's A or A plus, that's it. Uh, so we grew up in that sort of an environment and uh, did well in school and uh, went, to, went to Rutgers University, Rutgers College, uh, majoring in cell biology and neuroscience. So I was headed you know, straight for med school. That was, uh, that was the plan. Got introduced to multi-level marketing, uh, of all things. I know it yeah. gets uh, a bad rap once in a while, but learned a ton from it, making really good money. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there was a point where I was actually making more money than my father was uh, in multi-level marketing from my dorm room uh, as a junior in college and uh, skipping classes and just doing presentations and meetings. Um, and then we were taking our team of about 240 downlines uh, and actually flew out to San Jose, California to meet with the founders of this company. They were competing against uh, America Online for um, dial-up internet service back in those days. Yeah. Right. Ding, ding, ding. It's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. Mail, that, yeah. that whole thing. Right. So um, that kind of opened my eyes up to business, business development, working with people. And I had purchased my MCAT book to go, you know, uh, take the medical exam, uh, you know, to get into medical school. And uh, then had the conversation with my parents. Walked into their room thinking that my funeral is probably going to be the next day. And uh, let them know that I wasn't going to pursue uh, the, the physician route. And that uh, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do, but I'm probably going to go work in corporate America for some time. And so fast forward a little bit. I went into the – started selling drugs. Uh, these were FDA-approved products. was <laughs> <laughs> pharmaceutical sales. Yeah. Um, and then grew in that, jumped a couple of companies, uh, training management, and then eventually I was uh, at a very young age a global business manager, uh, managing a thirty-five million dollar P&L, uh, flying all over the place, uh, Newark Airport every Monday, five a.m., getting on either United or Delta, and uh, to take two or three, sometimes even four airplanes, uh, kid you not, uh, was the norm. Um, and then watching my kids on Facetime from a hotel room somewhere in the yeah. country didn't really like that. Uh, 08, the market had crashed. I had picked up some pointers from my brother, which he'll get into as well, uh, and got into flipping houses, real estate investing when Lehman Brothers had crashed. Yeah. In those days, you could pick up properties, pennies on the dollar, buy it at like 9 a.m. in one conference room and sign the paperwork. And then you go to the next conference room, you sell the property and walk out with a $60,000 check, right? And you do four or five of those. You've got a cushy six-figure job. You're good. Um, and so that's what I did. I had I was burning the candles at both ends. I had a full time job, and I had a full time real estate investing business, 
And, uh, and then eventually in March of 2014, built enough of a, a pipeline of deals as well as rental property, residual income that was coming in from cash flow. And I was able to comfortably kind of walk away from that corporate gig. Um, I was actually pushed out in a way a little bit because my boss came to know about my real estate endeavors. Uh, I saw my LinkedIn profile. So a uh, message for all of your listeners, you may not want to have a uh, a LinkedIn profile that talks about your side gig, uh, quote unquote. You might want to have it. Just based. throwing it out there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I he saw pictures of me speaking in front of huge crowds. Mm-hmm. I had participated in a book with Brian Tracy at the time that went on numerous uh, bestselling lists on Amazon. And so he's like, nobody at this company of uh, 5,000 people is a, it was a healthcare company, Fortune 500. Nobody's here doing this sort of stuff except for the CEO. And he kind of gave me an ultimatum that, look, either this nest is too small for you and it's time for you to fly, or next year, I'm going to actually need you to double down on the travel. And this year, we took care of business domestically here in the United States. But next year, you're going to be in China, Saudi Arabia. Uh, you're going to be in Malaysia, Indonesia. You're going to be all over the world. And you know, as somebody in their early 30s that was raising a family, that's the last thing I want to do. I almost threw up in my mouth yeah. when he said that. And so he told me, look, I'm gonna, you're going to Colorado Springs tomorrow for work. I was flying yeah. out. So look at the mountains, think about life. And then on Monday, give me a call. Let me know what you want to do. And so when that Monday came, I told him I'll begin to wind down my responsibilities here at the company. And uh, I was have, we were having a third kid at the time. So I tried to plan my exit so I'd be covered under their health insurance. <laughs> have the kid. Have these are, these are things that you got to think strategic. about. It was yeah. very strategic before I went on on my own health care yeah. plan, right? Um, and so, you know, th- that's, uh, that's kind of what I've been. And then, uh, you know, started building the business from there on out as a full-time entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, it's been a blast since. And then we actually had separate businesses for the first nine years. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to butt heads. Um, and we didn't want, we wanted to preserve our brotherhood. Yeah. And so we didn't want money to ever come between because you heard so many horror stories of siblings going into business together yeah. and then it wrecks their relationship. They hate each other. The wives hate each other. The kids hate each other. It, it's terrible. Um, and we didn't want any of that to happen early on. So we actually ran separate shops. We took New Jersey, split it up like a pizza pie, de- you know, said defined territory, said, I'm going to do my stuff here. You'll do your stuff here. We'll never meet in the marketplace. And if we do, then instead of competing, let's collaborate. And what we found is through the years when we collaborated, all those deals were like home runs. And we're like, let's do more of this. And then November of 2016, we joined forces. We brought, you know, I had 11 employees at the time. He had 11. So we had about 22 people total uh, that came together. We went through some of our early on struggles, trying to figure out, you know, personalities and who stays, who doesn't, and how to become leaner, more profitable and things like that. And it's been a great learning experience, great ride. Uh, it's come with its challenges. We feel like, you know, some of the challenges felt almost insurmountable at some times. But, you know, everything that happens to you happens for you. So we feel very bulletproof in that sense. Um, and, uh, you know, now we're kind of trying to take the real estate investing world out of the horns. Which you guys certainly certainly do. What, uh, what to share a little bit about your story. So I'll, uh, Shamal kind of mentioned uh, where we grew up and when we came here. Um, for me, it started in eighth grade. Uh, in eighth grade, um, classes were super easy, and I had a buddy of mine that um, we would actually cut school together and kind of <laughs> hang out at his house. And uh, I, I remember um, just kind of having an epiphany at that time that, hey, like, 
this would not be a bad way to live out my adult years of my life either. <laughs> right. to just like relax and, um, you know, not be stressed out, right? Because mm-hmm. I saw my dad working three jobs uh, to support us. Because, you know, he came from a completely different world, a completely different country. I saw my mom also working and kind of not, you know, being at home as, you know, uh, as now I've provided the opportunity for my wife to be, um, to, you know, uh, be at home with the kids and stuff and not have to worry about. And of course, if she wants to work, she can. But if she wants to be with the kids, which is what she wants, then yeah. she doesn't need to work. And my brother's been able to provide the same thing through our endeavors and through our business and through what we've built. So I remember thinking that, hey, man, like if I can just be an adult, <laughs> have money come to me, right? The way that homework and diddles would come to me <laughs> with the answers in eighth grade, uh, yeah. even with me not being in school. Um, I thought that was a good analogy. I was like, yeah, I mean, this is great because I got time to play basketball while everybody was working or at school at that time. Um, I got time to go to the video store, play video games, um, just be out in nature and then just be around when the world is so busy working. So, and, uh, um, you know, I, I, we do this like usually once every month or once every two months. My wife and I will take the day off and we'll go to the city and stuff. But you can do everything. You can go to Six Flags. You can go anywhere you want that is so jam-packed on the weekends. But on the weekdays, you have that liberty and that freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Yep. So in eighth grade, um, obviously, you know, um, I didn't have anything built up. But that epiphany had hit. So um, come... Uh, come time for college, when I was getting into college, um, my mom still had a very strong influence in my life and wanted me to do engineering. And then I looked at my schedule, um, physics, advanced calculus, and some crazy form of chemistry on Friday. And I was like, well, that's not a good Friday. <laughs> so it's not a fun Friday <laughs> for sure. So, you know, I told her, like, I don't want to do this. I want to... Um, I want to go to the business school. I want to learn business um, because um, I had competed in a um, uh, in an organization called DECA in 11th grade. Mm-hmm. And I went second in national for the business plan that I proposed. And I just kind of got that bug that I liked business and I kind of liked creating things and doing and building things on my own. So um, she wouldn't talk to me for two weeks, but she eventually got over it because you know I was. I, it's not like I dropped out of school. It was just doing a different major. Yeah. So I did a major in econ, finished that in two years, and then got into the business school there because you start business school at Rutgers um, your junior year. I uh, got into the business school and I quickly learned that man, all these guys are teaching me is how to be a good corporate employee. They're not actually teaching me business. Right. They're just teaching me how to be a good manager for the most part. Yep. Uh, and so... Uh, I knew that the information that I was getting here is not going to really help me do or build a dream of my own. Um, so what I did was I ended up packing my courses um, heavily. And one semester, I even had like 23 credits, which is like seven or eight classes. And, um, and then I would take winter classes and summer classes um, because uh, I was straightforward with my parents. I was like, I, I don't think uh, a nine to five job is for me, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to graduate early so that I have this uh, experimental time. That's my own time that I worked hard for to get ahead of everybody else that's in my class and in my year. Um, And so what I did was um, that last semester of school, 
I was also working corporate America. Uh, I was working at Johnson Johnson at, uh, as a co-op, which is like a prolonged internship. It was like a 10 month internship. Mm-hmm. Um, I was making pretty good money as a, uh, 19, 20 year old kid, uh, earning like 23, $24 an hour. So I was saving up, but I was also getting that corporate experience. Cause I was like, you know what? Maybe nine to five is for me. Let me actually do it. And I hated it. It was yeah. like, uh, it was like that movie, uh, office space, you know, where they're coming up to you asking you about reports and analysis and all the yep. other stuff that you don't care about. And right. it's like somebody else's goals and somebody else's dreams. And just the amount of micromanagement and the bureaucracy and the fakeness, it just, it wasn't for me, you know, cause I kind of felt like everybody had a different face on when they were talking to you based on what they needed at that time. And they had their agenda to move up the corporate ladder. Yeah. So I, I kind of didn't see the, the genuineness of corporate America. So that further solidified that, Hey, uh, nine to five corporate America is not for me. And so when I got out of school a semester early, I went straight into real estate and I didn't know anything about wholesaling, uh, rehabbing, uh, rental properties, uh, cash flow. I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was like, Hey, listen, let me start off as a realtor. Let me learn. Let me learn anything I can, just whatever. Let me be a sponge. So learn how to, I learned how to do contracts. I learned how to, um, do comps on the MLS. And then I just started going out and listing and selling properties. And that first year I did two things. I made a hundred thousand dollars in sales. So then I proved to myself and to my parents that, Hey, look, I don't need a nine to five to survive. Cause not at one time did I come to them and ask them for money or to pay any bills. Cause I was making enough to do that myself. Yeah. Um, but in that time, I also, um, I also knew that I didn't want to be a realtor. That's also not what I wanted to do because on Saturday and Sunday, I was driving around and showing people their dream houses and again, focusing on somebody else's dreams, not all mine. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that's a good way to make sales and stuff, but it just wasn't for me. I didn't want to occupy my weekends um, to work and to do other things You know, that wasn't really building my business yeah. uh, that I wanted to build. And I just didn't want to be in that business of retail realtor sales. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that I did during that year of being a realtor was I had bought three properties um, at very good prices, at discounted prices that um, had some equity, but I knew that there was a appreciation play there. So there was a little bit of speculation, but I had some data, which I knew um, some development that was going on where I knew that the condos would go up. I moved into one of them rented out the bedroom to two guys. So I was cash flow positive and living and using that unit. Mm-hmm. So um, I had a use in occupancy mm-hmm. with them living there so that I kind of got out of um, my parents' house and had time to be kind of alone and kind of focus on building my business. And then the other two properties that I had, I just rented them out. And all three of them had appreciated about $35,000 each. So there was another $100,000 in equity that I liquidated all of them and started transitioning from a realtor into a full-time real estate investor. And that was kind of the epiphany, like every, from eighth grade, knowing that I enjoyed kind of doing something different, going against the grain and kind of having peace of mind and time to myself, not just slaving over something that I didn't want to do to um, being in college and understanding that, Hey, um, the courses are not really teaching me how to build a financially independent and free life. They're just really teaching me how to work for somebody else. And then being in real estate, which can be a great business, but just knowing that that wasn't for me, 
and then finally getting into something that actually fit with my goals, with what I wanted to accomplish and what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, it was just that moment of just always self-reflecting and keeping questions to yourself very simple and keeping the answers very easy and being 100% authentic and genuine and true to yourself. So yeah. I kind of just took time to do that, which made me pivot and adjust and really do the things that make me happy and do the things that I wanted to do. Absolutely. Now let's jump into your business operation. So you guys are in the turnkey cash flow space in New Jersey, Ohio, Baltimore, Lehigh Valley markets. Uh, can you share a little bit about your business model uh, and then how you guys operate? Sure. Um, so the way that we've set up our platform is to allow working professionals to be able to invest with us. So if, uh, if you're a doctor, you're a corporate professional, uh, you've got a job, you've got a business, you want to somehow, some way be involved in real estate investing, but you want to do it from a passive standpoint, we provide a platform where you're able to invest in single family homes, duplexes, triple, uh, triplexes, uh, and so on uh, by parking your capital there. Uh, we will oversee the construction of the property uh, because, you know, hiring a general contractor and overseeing that is uh, sometimes people lose their shirt in this business. Doing yep. it. But we, we've, we've got enough experience to know what to look for. I've been doing this for about 11 years, um, leasing up the property and then managing it on the back end. So where it started really was when we were doing flips, um, folks would invest with us and fund the purchase and the renovation of that flip. And then after six or 12 months, after we sell the property, you know, uh, pay out these big checks to our investors, we make a lot of money, uh, everybody's happy. Uh, those same investors saying, I like the big chunks, but I also want something that I can get cash flow on a monthly basis. So what do you got? Yeah. And well, we went back to them and said, look, kind of no stocks, kind of no mutual funds, kind of no investing in gold. Um, there's this new thing, cryptocurrency out there. But I really, really know real estate. Like we both, you know, eat, breathe, sleep, real estate. And all the money that I make right now in my, whether at that time it was in my corporate job or from flipping properties, was taking all of that and buying rental properties with it and, mm -hmm. and basically building that pipeline, right? Uh, so like the analogy that's kind of uh, famous uh, out there is that you could be somebody that's going to the river to bring water back home to boil and use, right? Or you could just build a pipeline from the river to your house with a faucet and then continues to come. And that's what building a business essentially is or building a cash flow stream. So so we told them that this is what we do with our own capital. Yeah. This is what we know best. And so let me advise you to do the same thing. And so we came up, you know, started going into particular rental markets, mm -hmm. finding deals at distressed prices, uh, taking them and then selling it to our clients knowing full well that they're not going to be able to do the renovations and leasing and property management on it. So we created a uh, one-stop hub for them to be able to invest uh, hands-off and then, uh, you know, uh, the, the checks from the rental income come to them uh, and they're able to check on their investments online uh, through a system called Appfolio. We actually partner with Slate House, who's out of here, uh, yep. the hive here in Trenton, and they manage the back end uh, in terms of leasing and property management. So, we're mostly in the business of buying and selling really good deals to passive investors. And then Slate House is who they work with, uh, you know, in terms of managing the tenant maintenance requests and things like that. That's one part of our business. While we continue to do what mainstream real estate investing is, which is wholesaling properties, rehabs, 
and buying and holding for our own portfolio. So at the core of it, we're still investors ourselves. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Kings, queens, and royal families, along with the nobility and ultra-rich, have warehoused and stored their wealth for centuries in gold and silver, art, land, and real estate. These assets have stood the test of time through centuries and have been a great place to preserve and protect their wealth. Like gold, silver, land, and real estate, art has been around for centuries and will be around for many, many more centuries. That's why the ultra-rich will continue to invest in art and preserve their wealth in art. While the S&P declined 5.1% in 2018, the art market returned 10.6% and was called the best investment of 2018 by the Wall Street Journal. Masterworks is the first company to allow investors to buy shares of great blue-chip art masterpieces by artists like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. You can get set up on their platform at cashflowninja.com forward slash art. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and stealth storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. What are you guys seeing in this, this, the, the markets that you guys are operating in for the single family, the two units, three units, you know, uh, smaller multifamily bu- uh, buildings? What's going on in New Jersey, f- uh, for example? So I can, I can take that question. Um, last year, we absolutely were on fire. I mean, there was... Uh, in the areas that we were competing, there was really not that much competition, and mm-hmm. we were getting deals from uh, realtors, from past students of ours, from just people that know us, and um, some even off the market, off the MLS, going for auctions. And this one town alone in Willingboro, I think over the course of about a year, year and a half, we did about 112 deals there, uh, bought them and sold them, and then uh, did the construction on them, and then. Um, we were using Slate to do. We're using Slate now to do the uh, the leasing and the property management. So, I mean, if you do the math on that, we were closing like maybe uh, that was just Willingboro alone, and then we were dealing with other towns. I mean, there were some weeks where we had. I think there was a week last year that we had sixteen closings, um, which was you know ridiculous. And now this year, we've seen that that has kind of slowed up. And what's happened is there are so much, there's so much information out there. Um, one is that it's on YouTube podcasts mm-hmm. and a lot of people are getting into it, but mainly it's, it's on TV. Yeah. There are so many fix and flip shows. Uh, there's so many, um, you know, renovation shows and things like that, that 
everybody's getting into it. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, for lack of a better word, uneducated or stupid money coming into it where they're paying a premium on prices that does not even make sense. Yeah. So now uh, when the disciplined investor is getting priced out, you have to kind of um, you have to kind of adjust. You have to pivot. So what we did was we kind of went back to the drawing board and we're like, listen, what like we're good at getting capital and the capital works great for these turnkey properties, but what happens when the supply starts to shrink a little bit? Yeah. What do we want to do? And it's like, look, if we can't um, if we can't mirror the number of deals that we're doing last year, let's do bigger deals. Let's get um, let's get deeper with our marketing and get deals that nobody else is getting because we're being more creative spending our marketing budget and our dollars in ways other people are not using it. Yeah. So we went back to the drawing board and it's like, look, how did we used to do some of these big deals that we did in the past? And I'm talking about deals, some of these deals we would make $130,000, $150,000 net. Um, on one deal, we made $300,000. Like, how did we get these deals? Let's kind of go back to that because this business was so great last year for us, the rental business. And it was, we were just, you know, we were just on that ride and just focusing on that because there were so many closings. But it's like, now that it's dried up, let's go back to the drawing board. And so the one thing that we always came back to was that something that we got deals from, but we never really got it down to a science was direct mail. It's like, mm. that's where our, um, that's where our customer comes from. Right. Yeah. So now our, acquisition guy is pretty much at the same age as the sellers that he's meeting. Yeah. So this guy is about 55 years old and our typical customer that we get from these direct mail campaigns is about 55 to 65 years old. So it's a great match. And this picture, Harry the home buyer, is on every single postcard that we send out, every single letter that we send out. And that's become a huge campaign for us. So now what we did in the past, not getting this down to a science was like, it's like a shotgun approach, right? Like, Man, there's here's a list of ten thousand people. Mm. Let's hit them. You know, there's got to be a deal in this list of ten thousand, right? And you're throwing a lot of money to send out ten thousand pieces of mail. Uh, and if you send it out two or three times, which is what we would do, yeah. two, maybe three, we would get uh, we would get some deals out of it, but we would go through lists of ten thousand and not get anything. So we'd have to sometimes go through fifty thousand people to get like a really good deal. Um, but it would still work. So the approach that we took this time was, now let's like really curate our own list. Let's stop buying the list. Let's curate it in-house, mm -hmm. really understand what we're getting, and then let's stack it with other lists and add many, many, many pain points to it, as many as we can, and filter something that's 10,000 down to 700. But then target focus, sniper focus on those 700. Send them out a story. So our direct mail now is a story that builds up and it's just transitioned from one mail piece all the way to number seven that we send them. And the ones that have multiple pain points, we attack them by knocking straight on the door. And in just two months alone, we got two monster deals that way. And now we have like multiple campaigns running with that same filtered philosophy. So because the market changed, we pivoted and now we're kind of doing some of the things that we used to do, but now doing it with a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more scientific and more metrics and uh, uh, performance indicators because we're a little bit more seasoned into the business. It's amazing how, you know, marketing, everything has gone so digital 
right? But the mailings, a physical postcard or mailings is still very, very effective. And because nobody else is doing it, really, the chances of you getting it to the the decision maker and the person is just so much better. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and <laughs> so it's kind of like we divide and conquer, right? So mm-hmm. I'm dealing with the supply, he's dealing with the demand. Mm-hmm. The way that I get the supply is through old school marketing, the mailers. Because yeah. my customer base is 55, 65, that's in distress. So they're not spending their free time on Facebook, on YouTube, etc. No. He's going after that same age group. 55, 65, maybe a little bit younger too, but they got disposable income. So they are going to be on the internet, right? So it kind of, so we are using those things to get the capital, but to get the supply, we're using the old school mailers. And that's kind of how the two marketing uh, strategies come together. What did what did you guys do to scale? Because you you went into different markets. Well, let me ask you the first question is what made you decide to go into other markets? And I think that you touch on on something like that, but I'd be interested to know. And then how did you guys decide on that? Because you're also operating in Ohio, Baltimore, which is a city, and then the Lehigh Valley markets. Yeah, I can speak to, take Toledo, Ohio, for example. Um, A student of mine, uh, actually, if I go back two years before that, there was a gentleman that was very bullish on Toledo, Ohio. He was Mm -hmm. speaking at conferences and such. So when I saw him talking about Toledo, Ohio, I said, sounds interesting. Let me fly out there. Because I had been exposed to the suburbs of Detroit. I bought rental properties for myself over there. Yeah. uh, Where properties used to be 120K before the crash. They came down to like 20K. Mm -hmm. And these were like, you know, just put some uh, carpet and some uh, paint. You're up and running at 25,000, rented out for 850 bucks. And then it can only go up from here. Yeah. We're already in the crapper. It's only going to go up from here. So I had done that in the Michigan market. So when Toledo, Ohio came on the radar, I went out, visited him, You know, kind of uh, understood what he was doing out there. We didn't end up working together, but that seed for Toledo, Ohio got planted. And so two years later, one of my students came to me saying, hey, I'm getting all these deals in Toledo, Ohio. Do you want to check out this market? So she flew out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we were FaceTiming. She's walking through homes and, and things like that. I said, yeah, let's let's maybe start doing some deals. I started flying out there um, and, and started to understand the market, what was going on. Uh, met with the economic development director over there. So, you know, things like Amazon was coming. I knew that a year before. Yeah. Uh, the, that it was actually even published in the newspaper locally. I already knew that Amazon yeah. was coming because they had struck a deal with them that they were going to pro- provide some subsidies to Amazon and that they're going to build a distribution facility out there. So um, we you know, started studying that market, uh, going deep with what's happening with population population growth, what's happening with uh, the income and jobs. Jobs is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. When there's jobs, there's going to be people. When there's people, there's going to be service providers around them. It's simple as that. And then those people are going to need housing. Yeah. So this is um, – we, we focused on uh, you know blue-collar workforce housing. Um, and it was pretty easy to get there. There's an airport here in New Jersey that flies there. I'm actually flying there on Tuesday. Get this, $30 round trip, $30 round trip. It cost me more money to drive to New York and pay all the tolls on the New Jersey Turnpike and then on the Verrazano or the Holland Tunnel and come back than it does to fly to Toledo, Ohio. That's crazy. Now, I do have to get a rental car and things like that, but my flight is 30 bucks. Is this out of LaGuardia? Where no, you... it's right from Trenton. Oh, okay. <laughs> Trenton, the regional airport Okay, here. okay, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, a, that's... it's a single terminal. You just kind of walk onto the plane okay, and, and okay. you're done. 
um, and it's an hour and 15 minutes. So I go, I'm going for this month uh, pretty much every Tuesday to oversee that business. But it was a matter of going there, establishing teams, uh, getting to know the people on the ground. And then uh, if you remember the movie Training Day when Denzel Washington goes out with, with the new guy, yeah. shows him around, you know, going in that similar fashion with uh, the people that are on the ground, wholesalers and realtors and, and, and everybody. And looking at property after property after property ad nauseum until you finally understand that whether I'm in this market or in the New Jersey market or the other 400 rental markets in the United States, it's the same roof, it's the same windows, it's the same toilets, it's all the same. Uh, the economics of it might be different. You know, what's happening on the ground in terms of the the, uh, the economy, mm -hmm. uh, jobs might be different. I got to study that. I got to make sure that this is a good uh, place for people to invest, for myself to invest. And, uh, and then once you do, we plant our flag and then we don't really move from there until we've kind of mastered that market. So all we did was... Toledo, Ohio for that year. Yeah. Uh, and we're still there. Um, and so we went deep rather than going wide because people are calling us to come to Houston and Atlanta and Orlando and Tampa. Yeah. And so you could get, you know, uh, shiny light syndrome. Yeah, you could be all over the place. All, all over. And then yeah. you'll wear yourself thin. But we just like to go. I feel like after 100 properties, you've kind of figured out the place, figured out the market, how to work there, how to maneuver there. And so uh, we're continuing to build our business there. We bought properties out there as well our, ourselves um, to invest in. And so that's, that's how, kind of how we open up a new market. And so Lehigh Valley is probably next on our radar. And the reason we're there is because our property management company, Slade House Group, is already there. They've already got infrastructure built out for the back end. And so we will come in on the front end looking to find really good distressed deals, fix them up, sell them to our cash, uh, you know, cash buyers or uh, mortgage buyers. You uh, bring up a good point too. So you've got team members, positional players in yeah. place already. What are some of the other, how do you find some of the other team members? Is this through referrals? Is this some of the boots on the ground stuff? How do you guys do that? Yeah. So we have internal team members okay. that, that are on payroll. Um, and so, you know, and we've met them through, you know, some through the normal job interview process. Others that have joined our team came from speaking events, mm. came up to us. They were brand new in the business. They didn't want to go off on their own. So they just joined us as, uh, as team members, as, as employees. Um, and you know, everyone has different compensation. Some are on pure salary. Mm -hmm. Some are on a base salary plus commission and, and so on. Uh, some are on purely commission and performance-based. Uh, it just depends on the position within our company. But then uh, the vendors and, and people that just come from networking. What's good about our, our real estate investment community is that there are actually, uh, they call them RIAs, real estate investor associations, mm -hmm. meetups. Uh, Meetup.com is actually a great resource where you can go pick any city in the United States and see if there are a group of people that are like-minded that are congregating, mm -hmm. talking about the same thing. And so Chad Gallagher and I went to, Ohio, we flew out there because I told him, you got to set up shop out here. We want one property management company to take care of all of our clients. Um, so I flew him out there. We went specifically on a day when the RIA, uh, their real estate association, was having a huge exhibitor night. Yeah. And we made so many contacts that day just from, you know, the pest control company to a property management company to anybody, you name it, whoever's active in that market. We shook hands with them that night. We, we got there early. We stayed late and we networked like crazy to the point where now you know who's who, uh, who does what. 
and um, and then now we can leverage their networks as well because they do yeah. introductions to the people that they um, do business with. Yeah. So. Absolutely. That's a great resource. So the RIA, definitely meetup.com. We didn't, uh, what's the resource that you use for the postcards? That was the other thing. I don't think we, uh, is, oh, that a, we um, is that just done by your team or is yeah, there a company? It's done, so we started just curating them ourselves. So uh, the copy and the content, mm. uh, I kind of just watched a bunch of YouTube videos, uh, researched it quite a bit on the internet and then came up with a copy for um, all seven of those pieces myself. Awesome. Um, curated the list uh, ourselves as well because I wanted to make sure the data was accurate, current, and we were gotcha. getting it from a local source rather than like a national vendor that's just selling data that I can't really verify. Um, and then to print it and stuff, we just went to a local shop. And I literally, uh, the way that we get them stamped and things like that is, Got three kids each, so uh, <laughs> there you go. Time, you know, uh, put them to work a little bit, you know, and uh, absolutely just do simple things like that. And 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 then when they're not available, the office staff will just quickly get them stamped up, uh, and then they'll go out the door. So again, we're not sending out ten thousand postcards, so I don't need to send it to a mailhouse. Mm. It's a very potent and powerful list, mm-hmm. so they can go. They can get through three or four hundred postcards in a matter of twenty twenty five minutes to just stamp them and put the label on. So um, it is, um, like I said, it's not like uh, it's not like a machine spread, but it's a targeted um, uh, missile that we're sending to that, you know, yep. to, to that uh, client that's targeted over m- multiple pain points. Yep, you're get- going after it. One uh, habit I've observed from wealthy and successful folks is that they're always studying and learning stuff. What are you guys studying currently and learning? So. Um I, I can tell you that uh, there was a guy that used to come to our meetups. Um, mm-hmm. He was just brand new, fresh, starting out um, about three years ago. And then I've seen him kind of come up through the business. And obviously, you keep in touch with people on Facebook. So they're posting their deals and how they're doing and things like that. So I actually went to one of his meetups when he started a meetup. And he was pitching a class. And um, I, the philosophy that I take, the approach that I take is that you can always learn something from someone, yeah. Um, and uh, and that you know, uh, you're, you're a student of the business. Uh, at the end of the day, you're a student. If I pick up one nugget because I had to spend five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars to go yep. to a conference, but it completely changes the trajectory of my business, I don't know. It might. Um, I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to yeah. make that investment. And so we're constantly studying. Uh, Jason Yerusi, who's here today. Um, you know, for this PodMax event, we just interviewed with him earlier for his uh, podcast show. Uh, he's got a class coming up on October 12th. Yep. Uh, we've done some stuff in the multifamily space, but he's kind of got it dialed in. So I want to get his vantage point on how he approaches the business. So we invested in paying for his class uh, mm-hmm. and we'll be attending that. And so all the courses that make sense, even whether it's business building or building a real estate business, we'll, we'll attend those and, uh, you know, stay uh, in the student mode constantly. Absolutely. Um, quite similarly, uh, I love going to meetups, go, love going to the uh, local RIAs, uh, classes that are offered. And um, with uh, when I was lear- learning this targeted approach, real estate is actually quite a bit of law. So I, uh, the easiest way, because attorneys are not cheap, the easiest way to get information and to learn from them is to take them out to lunch because they got to eat. So yeah. A steak dinner is like 100, 120 bucks for two people, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but 
an attorney usually charges in New Jersey three fifty to four hundred bucks an hour. Yeah, so that's a great way to get information to connect with an attorney and to learn more about real estate from that vantage point. So um, I like to take out uh, people that I want to pick their brain. I like to take them out to lunch. So that's one great way that I like learning and just kind of catching up with people because we've been doing this for 11 years. Mm. And in the time that you can kind of get busy with life and with your business, somebody else is doing something completely different, the completely different strategy. And, you know, without, without seeing each other as competition, just having that abundance approach, especially if you're in different markets, it makes it a little bit less awkward. You can come together, sit down for a meal and just kind of trade war stories and talk about shop. And again, like Shamal said, you can pick up a nugget. Uh, and even if it's in a different strategy, you pick up that nugget and apply it to your business. Um, that, you know, that can pay a lot of dividends uh, if you apply it the right way. I think this year also, I found myself listening to a lot more podcasts. So mm -hmm. Two of the ones that I strongly recommend uh, is one is Cashflow Ninja. Uh, number one. Um, I've also been listening a lot to the Empire podcast show. Mm -hmm. Bedros Koulian and um, Craig Ballantyne. Yep. Got a ton of uh, uh, knowledge and information and value from theirs. And Tom Bilyeu has yep. uh, Impact Theory. Really, really great interviewer. Um, and uh, like some of the guests that he brings on and, and the mindset. Um, so th those two have been, you know, when I'm working out or driving somewhere, windshield time becomes the university on wheels and I'm, I'm usually listening to a podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Okay. One is something that uh, I try to live up to. It's, uh, it's a famous quote, how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. How you do anything, uh, whether it's in your business, how you are as a family man, how you are in your community, how yep. you are uh, uh, you know, uh, with your employees, however you do anything uh, is going to permeate in all aspects of your life. So that's, that's number one. Uh, number two is actually on my Facebook profile page um, where it says that you are but a speck on the timeline of this planet, mm -hmm. right? So make your speck count. Mm -hmm. You're going to only be here. I, I was born in 1981. Today's 2019. The world's been around since before Jesus Christ since you know, the beginning of time, mm -hmm. right? And based on whatever your uh, theological belief is, uh, ours is that there will be a day of judgment and that you'll stand before your creator. So let's say that's the end of time. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to exist on this timeline for this very small temporary period, right? And it's mm -hmm. a small speck on this timeline. So play big and make an impact while you're here. There's no reason to be mediocre and, and, and do nothing and just twirl your thumbs while you were here. Have an yeah. impactful life that's going to impact other people. Uh, and then lastly is live for others. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at some point, you know, if you're done well as an entrepreneur, you'll have your immediate needs taken care of. But then after that, it's all about everybody else that's around you and making sure that, um, you know, that you've made an impact in their life, a positive change so that when uh, as Stephen Covey talks about it, right, uh, begin with the end in mind and it's, he paints a picture of your funeral and what people are saying and yep. you're attending your own funeral. One of, one of the things that I always think about is that how will people perceive me after I leave this earth? And you want to be remembered as somebody that met people and they instantly felt 
you know, like you're their best friend and you, you gave them their full attention and things like that. So, yep. you know, positively impacting people. So that's what I would say. Awesome. So I agree and I follow that philosophy on all three of those things. And then if I had to add three more, I would say it would be love, um, honesty, and balance. So do what you love and love everybody that's around you, especially your family and your friends. Um, honest, never, ever, ever screw anyone. Don't ever, ever take a shortcut just because it'll make you more money. Do things the right way, even if it costs you money, even if you lose something, you uh, you reap what you sow and things always come around. So mm-hmm. never, ever mess around in business and always run it honestly. And then the last thing is balance. Um, being an entrepreneur is, uh, it's a crazy ride, but don't forget that there's people, there's families, uh, especially uh, if you're a father um, and you have a family, so I have three kids, balance is very important. So you mm-hmm. got to make sure that as busy as you get, do whatever it takes, waking up early, getting a little bit less sleep, whatever it takes to make sure that you balance yourself so that you're spending time with your loved ones, you're giving time and attention, you're teaching your kids what they need to learn, and you're giving ample time to your business to grow. So you just have to keep a very balanced life so that you not only grow as a business person and an entrepreneur, but you also grow up, grow as a decent human being. Awesome. Guys, where can listeners learn more about you? Where can they follow you? And where can they t- stay informed of all the, the projects that you're involved with? Sure. Our main way to get us is uh, our website, www.investwithapex.com. Uh, so that's the best way to get us. Uh, also, you can email us at info at investwithapex.com. Awesome. Shomail and Farhan, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. That was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks guys. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.